Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. On today's game day edition, my guest will be beat writer Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press. Before he joins us, let's get it started with my view from Section 17. That was one long game to watch on Saturday. Penalties, TV timeouts for reviews, it just seemed like it was never going to end. It was a very hard game to watch, especially when we had the ball. We kept trying to run against an eight-man front, never really got the ground game going. What did work, though, and looked pretty darn good, was Shea Patterson in the passing game especially Donovan Peoples-Jones. The defense just looked plain sloppy. Pass interference calls, giving up the slot and underneath stuff all day, losing outside contain on the pass rush, and not getting off the field on third down. It's hard to believe a 45-20 win can be so frustrating to watch, but it was. There is a lot of work to be done on both sides of the ball. I think everyone agrees with that. This week, Scott Frost and Nebraska visit the big house for the Big Ten opener. The Huskers are 0-2 and could be without freshman quarterback sensation Adrian Martinez. Scott Frost says he will be a game-time decision. If he doesn't play, the Huskers have some real issues on offense. On defense, Nebraska is pretty solid against the run, but they've been torched through the air by both Colorado and Troy. I would expect Shea Patterson in the passing game should have a big day. And that's what my guest today says, too. Beat writer Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press joins us next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew.
joining us on our game day segment as we take a look back at that SMU win uh, over the weekend and well, a bit of a look ahead to Saturday uh, with Nebraska is beat writer Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press. Welcome back, Nick. Thanks for having me, Mike. Well, as always, you know, after a, a game like uh, we saw Saturday, you try to uh, see what you take away. Maybe it takes a couple of days to look over the film and, and see what you think. But I guess my takeaway, Nick, was it's time for uh, Jim to turn Shea Patterson loose a bit, don't you think? Yes. I mean, that, 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 it's really, I was just going to say, there's really no longer short or easy or difficult answer to that. It's pretty simple, uh, I think, in that... You know, you know what you have on this team, I think, a little bit now, and he's your best player. I mean, uh, offensively, especially, you know, anyway. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's averaging like 20-something, I think 21, 22, somewhere in there, uh, attempts a game. And, uh, you know, he's had like 171 quarterback rating, which I think is second in the Big Ten, top 20 nationally. Um, 70% of his passes, everything's accurate, everything's, you know, down the field uh, is accurate. Uh, he's handling the ball well. He seems to understand what he's doing. You don't have a great running game. You're probably not ever going to have a great running game. I mean, maybe you could have something adequate. Uh, and I think these last two weeks, especially last week, maybe showed you some of that, that you're not going to be able to just bully people. So, yeah, I mean, moving forward, I think you're going to have to do a little bit more of, rather than running to set up the throw, um, you know, maybe throwing to set up the run. I think you can do a little bit of that. Like, like you know, that happens a lot in the NFL these days. Um, so I think he's capable. I think this is the best situation they've had quarterback-wise going into Big Ten play since Harbaugh's been here. And, you know, whether he is ready to do it or not, I guess, is only he knows. And the, these last two weeks could have very well been, you know, examples of, hey, I want to try to I want to try to get some confidence in the offensive line, knowing full well that when Big Ten play starts, i got to really cut loose with this quarterback. Maybe that's what's going to happen. I really don't know that that's not the case. But if, that's, if that doesn't happen and they go forward and he's still only throwing – 17, 18 times a game, then something's really wrong because that's just out of whack. I mean, he really needs to be the man here because I think he is. <laughs> that makes any sense. He's 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 there, and uh, that's why they wouldn't got him. And uh, it's time to use him. You know, Jim said after the game at the presser, um, and I kept a close eye on that offensive line. I have all three weeks to see. You know, are we seeing improvement? But you know, Jim said after the game, "Hey, we played better. Did some nice things in pass protection." And I guess I'm just not seeing it, Nick. What about you? There was two things, I guess, that happened on, in that one on Saturday, and that, you know, they tried to do a lot what they did in the Western game, which was just line up and hammer somebody. And Western's front was just terrible. I mean, they were, they were overmatched. They weren't any good. And that's probably the worst they'll see all year. SMU's wasn't great, but it wasn't nearly as bad. So they weren't able to just maul them. And so, so they tried to do that, and they can't. They try to do it some more, and they can't. You know, SMU stacked the line, stacked the box, dares them to throw the ball, um, which a lot of other teams are going to continue to do, and eventually he does. So in some ways, you know, it reminded me of when they played Central Florida the one year with Scott Frost, who did the exact same thing. It was just like, you're not going to run the ball on us. You're not going to embarrass us on the ground. We're going to stack the line and everything else. So eventually they do adjust, but it also leads to the – okay, if you were really a very good offensive line, you it wouldn't have mattered. You would have rooted them out of there and moved the football, and they didn't. And so, you know, to me, whether there's improvement or not, I guess on some level, maybe they're practicing better or more prepared or what have you. But, you know, from a execution standpoint, they sort of are what they are, which leads me back to the old original, you know, point in that 
you know, this has to be an offense that runs starts and stops and runs through the quarterback. He has to be the one that sets up everything, and he has to be the one that's the person people are planning for. And, um, you know, I I got to think they know that. <laughs> um, but there's, you know, there's stubbornness and patience to the running game here. And, you know, we'll see how the handle going forward. Well, you're right. I guess stubbornness is a, is a way to uh, to put it when you run 41 times yep. and you throw 18 times and yeah, SMU was loading up the box, but you you think uh, you just have to get to a point somewhere where you say it ain't working and we've got to either balance right. the run pass ratio out or as you've mentioned and as I'm leaning towards now, use the pass game to open up the run. Right. And uh, and that's 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 much that's much more of a a modern way of doing it in the pro style. So, I mean, I look back to the last year that Harbaugh was with Andrew Luck at Stanford. They, I think Andrew Luck only threw the ball like 27 times a game, 28, which is not as much as you would think from a guy who was as good as he was in college. But on the flip side of that, they had an amazing offensive line. I mean, an amazing offensive line. So they pounded teams into dust. And Andrew Luck was throwing for like 10 or 11 yards an attempt. So, I mean, everything was great, but they had this awesome offensive line. And it's like, well, why wouldn't you use that? This isn't that. You know, <laughs> no. this isn't the case here. They don't have that. They have a quarterback who's certainly more than capable. Maybe he's not Andrew Luck, but, he, you know, in terms of college quarterbacks, he's very capable of making all the throws you need him to do. And he's more mobile and he can do different things. You have an offensive line that I think would be capable if things get loosened up a bit and if, you know, um, like we said, if Patterson can can open up some gaps and maybe then they can be effective, but not the other way around. It's not going to be something where they set him up. That's just not the case here. So Jim Harbaugh's offenses for all time, forever, have operated in, in the way we just talked about, where you pound the football and you'd be stubborn with it. You know, some people call it stubbornness. He'll call it patience in that they're going to pound the ball until something pops and then they're going to start throwing it and then you're going to be all off balance and it's going to be out of whack and they're going to they're going to wear you out. I, this offensive line is not capable of doing it. I mean, I just don't, you know, unless, unless there's something that you and I and everyone else isn't seeing, I, it's just not there. So, so it's not a giant adjustment. It's just an adjustment of letting your quarterback be, be a guy and then working backwards from there. And if they do that, I think they could be really good. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, through the first three games, my thought was, well, Jim is trying to I don't know, instill confidence in the offensive line or at least see what they can do or what they're capable of. I think what they're not capable of is uh, blocking eight people in the box. So, yeah, I I think moving forward, after three games with all of the offensive brain power that's on this staff, I am sure they have to sit back and say, you know what, We, we have to put these guys in the best situation that we can moving forward. And maybe that's backing people off of that line by passing. So I, I do think we're going to see that change in philosophy mm-hmm. starting this week. Yeah, I think if I had to guess, my, my guess would be is they went into the first game cautious with Shea Patterson, which is no, normal and ex- I expected it because he had never played in a game here. He'd never played with these guys on a real setting. It was at Notre Dame at night. You just you, you saw what he could do in practice, but you just didn't know. So I think that they were very careful with him in the first one. And they were very careful with everything in the first one because it was brand new. I, I totally got that. I understand it. That's just kind of the part of the – that's the problem you run into when you play a game like that on number – you know, week one with a brand new quarterback right. and new offensive tackles and everything else. But as they go forward here, I think the last two weeks, they, they figured out, okay, this guy can really do a lot. But like you said, Mike, I think it was – let's try to get some confidence elsewhere. We know we can beat this, these two teams no matter what. Let's try to get some confidence elsewhere as we go. 
and then when we go into Big Ten play, you know, run it properly. And I think that's what you'll see. I, I don't think it'll be something that's so insane. <laughs> We're sitting here saying, what are they doing? <laughs> you know, because I go back and look. Remember when they played Michigan State last year after the uh, after O'Corn yeah. goes and plays Purdue and he throws the ball well in the second half? They went out there and tried to throw it all over the place in the uh, in the rainstorm. Yeah. So if they're willing to do that in the rainstorm, it, it leads me to believe that you know they're willing to let Jay Patterson open some things up a little bit here, and I think that's what we'll see. I hope so. I think a lot of people hope that. So one thing we know after three games is Shea looks pretty darn good, and we, we need to open it up mm-hmm. for him. What we're starting to see now, too, uh, an, another good thing is Donovan Peoples-Jones uh, looks like a guy who's starting right. to feel it, Nick. He he looks like more like that receiver that we thought we were getting. Yeah, he uh, looks like a different player. I mean, mm-hmm. and a lot of it, I think, is, uh, is probably credit to the accuracy of Shea Patterson and the confidence that Patterson has shown in him, which I think has made him more confident. And then the other part of it, I think you have to just give Donovan credit for working on some of the things that he struggled with last year. And, you know, he's, he is creating more space. Uh, he is getting himself open. You know, there have been times where the quarterback's thrown him open, but then you see the play where he makes in the corner of the end zone the other day, and, I mean, it's an SMU defensive back, whatever. Donovan Peoples-Jones isn't making that play against anybody last year. I mean, he, he got his body turned around. The ball was exactly where it needed to be on that back shoulder. But he goes up and he gets it. And he comes down with both feet. It's a clean catch. It's touchdown. That's just a really good receiver play from a guy who has his quarterback has total confidence in him, and he's delivering. And that is a as a great sign for Michigan because he wasn't that guy last year. Nobody was. And we've seen you know Nico Collins get behind the defense a few times and make some plays. Now we've seen you know Donovan catch touchdowns in several different. He's got four, and none of them are the same. So he's he's done it in many different areas. Uh, he's been open underneath. He's been open downfield. Grant Perry and Oliver Martin have been steady. And then, you know, Zach Gentry got going a little bit, and that's a matchup that Patterson seems to like too. So, but yeah, Peoples-Jones has been extremely improved. He was one guy that I really wanted to see what he was able to do after the offseason. I think having a quarterback that when, you, when you're running a route and you know at the end the ball's going to be there and you're going to have a chance, I mean, I got to think that's that makes running a route all the way through a little easier, and I think that's what we're seeing on some level. But, you know, credit to him because he looks – it's like a different player. Well, on Saturday, uh, we had a couple of injuries. Uh, well, we had the one injury. Karan Higdon didn't. He warmed up, didn't play. Uh, and then Chris Evans limped off the field late. And I know we're recording on Monday morning, so presser mm-hmm. is later today. I wonder if we'll get any kind of an injury update. But have you heard anything uh, about either of those guys, Nick? No, it, it didn't seem uh, at the time like what Evans had was anything catastrophic, though he mm-hmm. did immediately go into the locker room, so there's cause for concern there. And then Higdon, it was something in the leg. Uh, he tried to put weight on it, tried to cut hard in the warm-ups. Didn't look good. Um, so no idea. I mean, that's one thing where I just yeah. – I don't know, you know, what the extent or or whatever. Like I said, Mike, we'll talk to Harbaugh today. Um, but, you know, the fact that Higdon warmed up, I guess that's, that's something. Uh, it could have been just like not even going to try it at all. So, you know, maybe that's something where they're going to – that's a rest injury where mm-hmm. the more rest he gets, the better it'll be. Um, but, uh, yeah, they'll have to know probably by today or tomorrow because um, you can't practice Tuesday. You know, it's really hard to uh, be ready to play Saturday. So, yeah, we'll see you here uh, later today. And as a result of uh, those injuries, Higdon suiting up and not playing and then Chris going out late, True Wilson saw more carries on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, Nick, he's a tough little back, really good in pass protection. For a third back, he's developing into a nice option, isn't he? Yeah, I think, and in, in 
the the pass pro is outstanding. I yeah. think he's probably the best they have, and uh, maybe that's a lesson to all the <laughs> all the young running backs listening. Right? It's like the old <laughs> uh, adage of learn how to long snap, kids, and you'll get a scholarship. Well, apparently, learn how to pass protect, and you'll and you'll get a scholarship because you know nobody seems to be able to do it <laughs> anymore. But he has been terrific with it. Uh, I think that's probably what put him over the top in terms of let's get this guy in the rotation. And then, as you said, his ability to you know see lanes, make cuts. You know, get free yards when they're there, and uh, I think a lot of the other backs can probably do some of that too. But he seems to be probably the most complete uh, in terms of the the backups and the guy they trust the most, and that's why he's in there and he's played really well. Um, you know, he's he's been a better pass protector through two three weeks than anything they've had in that role in the past couple of years. So that's a you know walk on or scholarship or otherwise. So that's certainly an improvement there, and um, you know, it looks like they really do trust him. And they probably can do some different things with him out of the backfield, too. So, um, nice addition, nice player, and a guy that uh, is trending up for sure. Well, over on defense, I'm not worried yet, Nick. Uh, but there have really been some some disturbing trends through the uh, first three games. These third down conversions. Last year, one of the best defenses in college football on third down. And Saturday, yeah. they gave up some just unbelievable uh, conversions, especially in the uh, this second half. Is that cause for concern yet? I think it is a little bit, yeah, because, you know, it's, it's the same thing that we saw against Notre Dame um, on some level where, you know, Wimbush and those guys were able to, to get some chunks, to get some plays, you know, the secondary, which, yeah, the secondary has not played to expectation, I don't think, uh, through three weeks, which is weird because, you know, Lavert Hill's been tested and beaten a couple times more than he was a year ago. Uh, David Long, not as much, but um, some of the safeties have been tested and beaten. So not, it's not like they're giving up, you know, 300 yards a game or something, but, I mean, they've been giving up more than I think we expected uh, in those one, one-on-one situations. And, and like I said, some of the third downs, it's, it's dependent on matchups or, or who they have out there. They're rotating and doing a lot of different things. Um, so a little bit of cause for concern, I think. Not anything to panic about, but really more so if they go into Nebraska this week and Adrian Martinez, the freshman quarterback, if he's able to play mm-hmm. – uh, he didn't play last week, of course, but it seemed like they were trying to get him ready for this one. If he's able to play, then that presents a lot of the issues that Wimbush gave them in terms of a guy who can get, get outside the pocket and a guy who can extend a play and beat you on third down uh, by kind of improvising. So he's very talented. He's very athletic, um, and he can do a lot of different things. So it's going to be different, I think, and as you saw last week when they brought in, um, I can't remember, William whatever his name was from yeah. SMU, the guy yeah. who was a little more mobile, um, could get outside the pocket and run a little bit more, was a threat to run. That's when they started to have some more problems. So, yeah, I mean, that's certainly a cause for concern. And if Nebraska's got their best quarterback here on Saturday, then that would be, you know, a big test, you know, for these guys to see how much they've improved. Another cause for concern right now, it seems, is penalties. And you wonder, is it a lack of discipline? Is it over-exuberance? Whatever it is. You can't beat good teams, especially this Michigan team, when you commit 13 penalties. Uh, heaven forbid, yeah. not even close to that. That is an area that really has to get cleaned up now. Yeah, I mean, they're not good enough. I mean, I don't think they can beat a good team if they commit five. I mean, yeah. they're just not, it's not, you're giving away, you're giving away 50 or 60 yards like that. I mean, let alone, like you said, 132 or whatever it was. No, I mean, that's, it's, it was a problem at Notre Dame. It was a problem against Western that just got overlooked. And it was a problem, again, yesterday. I mean, they've got like 27, almost 30 penalties for three games. I mean, it's just, I think, toward the bottom, if not that last in the Big Ten. And, 
a lot of defensive pass interference. Uh, they've had procedure penalties. They've had delayed games. They've had full starts, late hits, a targeting, two targetings now. Uh, <laughs> they've had just about everything. There's really not anything they haven't checked the box off of here. So they've had it all. And, you know, that has to go on the coaching staff. I don't know how else to, you know, that's, that's you, you got to be more disciplined in what you're doing. I mean, you got to be more under control. Defensively, I think their over-aggressiveness has gotten the better of them a few times. Uh, and that's something that they have to be more mindful of, of course. Um, because you can argue, you can argue a targeting penalty until you're blue in the face. But if you put yourself in position to where it's even a question, then argue all you want. The guy's still going to have to miss a half. That's kind of how I look at it. I mean, you know, those things are, they're judgment calls, I suppose, and they're tough calls to make, but you can't hit people in the head. I mean, and that's one of those <laughs> things that's just like, I know people are like, well, I don't know how it's called. And I'm like, I don't either, but I know you can't hit people in the head. So don't, if you don't hit people in the head, and I know it's probably easier said than done, but that's one of those things that at some point you got to fix that because now you got to play a half of a Big Ten game without an All-American linebacker because you got to hit somebody in the head. And it's just like you can't do this stuff anymore. So a lot of that stuff has to get fixed. The defensive pass interference, for whatever reason, that has to get fixed because they're calling it uh, big time against Michigan. And maybe that's part of the reason why they've struggled to get off the field. But, uh, yeah, a lot of things to correct there. Uh, and I would think focus is probably number one on the list. Well, this week, Big Ten play gets underway for everyone or for most of the teams in the conference, Nick. And what a disaster of a weekend it was. Embarrassing, wasn't it? Horrible, yeah. I, I don't, uh, I think for all the times, every year it seems like we do this in the offseason. We're like, oh, the Big Ten's going to be really good this year. They're going to be really good this year. And then they go out and do this in the non-conference and uh, just completely spoil it. So, yeah, I mean, like Wisconsin, BYU, I think, is a solid team. But that's one where if you're a playoff contender, no, that's not something where you blow it home. Northwestern looks terrible all of a sudden. Uh, Nebraska, I can't quite figure them out at all because I think they, they're going through a lot of the things that we just talked about here where there's the, a lot of penalties, turnovers, mm-hmm. sloppy offensive line play, but they're nowhere near talented enough to overcome any of that. They just they have to play like perfect. Um, the bottom of the league is bad anyway. We knew that. Purdue was worse than we thought it would be, so... Really, I guess Maryland loses. Indiana is probably your only silver lining in the bunch. They're 3-0, and playing well, and uh, maybe that'll be a surprise. But other than other than Ohio State just jump-trucking everybody, I, it, uh, it looks like Ohio State's not going to have too many problems this year. I would say that's probably my safest conclusion after three weeks. I suppose we'll see if that changes. I guess we have to be a little bit cautious. There's a lot of football to be played yet, but it, yeah. does, it does look like Ohio State and everyone else uh, after that, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, Penn State, I suppose, has fixed a little bit of what uh, was ailing them, but uh, I don't think they did it against anybody real after week one. And, of course, they almost lost to Appalachian State there. So still a lot of question marks for them, too. But um, Ohio State looks far and away the best team which isn't a surprise but more than that ohio state looks like alabama level yeah at the moment so that's for the big 10 that is a <laughs> that would be a concern because they are they look extremely loaded and we know urban meyer comes back this week so not a lot going wrong there on the field for ohio state well as we've talked about coming up this week with uh, nebraska coming to town they're oh and two their game with akron the opener was uh, washed out because of the weather and yes, they've struggled. They've shot themselves in the foot over and over again. And this freshman quarterback, yep. Adrian Martinez, I have just seen bits and pieces of him on video. And they've got to get him healthy because they've got real issues on that depth chart. And they saw that Saturday if he's not ready to go. You mentioned Wimbush and having to defend uh-huh. Wimbush, how difficult that was. 
he looks like a much more talented player yeah. uh, than Wimbush. Even though he's a freshman, he looks better. Yeah. Um, looks like a better version of that. Um, and he, he totally changes their team. I mean, he changes their – I mean, I shudder to think what they would be going forward without him. I mean, they they might not win a game. I mean, he's just – he's that good of a talent. And that, more importantly, he's that good of a fit for what Scott Frost uh, wants to run. So, yeah, he helps everything. Um, you know, I think if you're, if you're disciplined up front, of course – and not letting him get outside the pocket or outside the rush lanes and everything else, then you could really limit a lot of that and make him be a guy who kind of has to stand in the static area and make throws. And, of course, that's going to be a true freshman doing that, and that's not going to be good for Nebraska. But what he was able to do against Colorado was extend plays with his feet, get out of the pocket on some of the zone reads. I think he was faster than Colorado thought he was. Um, so he's not going to surprise anybody now. But he certainly seems like you know, the type of player that changes everything. Uh, for Nebraska's offense, because you know, you know, no f- offense to the to the youngster, a bunch or bench mm-hmm. came in after him, but he is nowhere near uh, as capable as Martinez. So, yeah, I mean, he looks like a guy who's going to be really good there down the road. How good he'll be throughout the rest of this year, I guess we'll see. It's only been one game, but they certainly need him. And if they have him, I think they've got enough to, to certainly come in here and give Michigan what they want. If they don't have him. And that's going to be a tough day, uh, I think, for Scott Frost and the boys because they just don't have much, much else around him. So uh, he's kind of the key to the whole deal. If I'm looking at yeah, it right absolutely. now, and uh, we'll see if he plays. The run defense really has not been that bad so far, but the pass defense—that is another story. And getting back to what we talked about earlier, Nick, if Shea gets turned loose, he should have a a lot of success throwing the ball against this secondary Saturday. Yeah, they've been bad for years um, back there, and I mean, you know, especially you could even see it. Late in the Troy game, when I was watching before Michigan played, uh, Troy didn't do much through the air, but every time they had like a single receiver situation and a one-on-one set, they would go to it, and it would either be a blatant pass interference penalty because the Nebraska defensive back was completely out of position, or it would be a wide-open first down and a critical you know, drive to kill the clock. So, no, they are not great <laughs> on the back end. There should be open open pockets and open lanes. Um you know, Michigan should be able to do a lot to get people into spots where Patterson can deliver accurate throws. This is one of those games, especially if your backs are banged up and everything else. That and you know, considering Nebraska again, not that bad up front, but really suspect on the back end. You know, I would think that you'd be looking to uh, put the ball up in the air whenever you have an opportunity to, because it could lead to big plays. And like we just said, not sure how how much Nebraska can erase big plays, especially with a quarterback has only played one game and maybe he's hurt so that seems like the key to the game to me well final question for you nick uh, before we let you go when we were talking in the summer uh, of course we hadn't seen the team play but we knew it was year four of the harbaugh era fans we all know are very very frustrated saturday i i don't know if you could feel it up in the booth but in the stands it just felt like that our fan base is ready to crawl out of their skin uh, uh, watching especially yep. this offense I guess what I'm asking is do you sense right now uh, a growing frustration or a continuing frustration yeah oh yeah 100% because I think that a lot of people were led to believe that for whatever reason um, that all the problems that they had last year were just going to go away and Shea Patterson as good as he is was going to come in here and fix all the issues and that's just not realistic I mean that was an 8-5 and five team last year and it was an eight and five team, not because of one player. It was an eight and five team because of a lot of reasons, right? And so 
some people I think are are frustrated because they were told something that wasn't true <laughs> that and then others are frustrated because it's been a long time and they're just tired of being tired so yeah. you know I get both sides of it and I think that the, the latter is is the bigger issue where you go out there and it's how many more times are you gonna have to hear from a head coach whether it's Jim Harbaugh Brady Hoke or whomever well you know it's coming uh, the run game's close or we're getting better every day or whatever. I mean, how many more times do you have to listen to that before you just sit there and say, okay, well, this is a eight and four, nine and three football team. And we're, I'm going to go spend something else with my Saturday. I mean, that's just how, what this is. I mean, the people are getting tired of hearing the, well, it's a new team. Uh, everything's close. We're getting there, you know, this, this sort of stuff. And they want to see more. And, um, and yeah, I mean, if it, if it goes through the rest of the year and, and they drop some of these games because they can't, because they're stubborn or because they can't adjust. Uh, yeah, people are gonna be really upset, and they should be. And uh, that's that's for Jim Harbaugh to fix because, and to understand that people are not gonna sit here, and at this point, and listen to, well, we're really close. I mean, it's just not a thing anymore. So I mean, that's not the deal. You're in year four. It's time to go. Um, and I think that's people have every right to be frustrated with that. Uh, so that from the start of the season, that's totally understandable from my end. And I don't think anyone's been unrealistic with that frustration. Some maybe have. If you thought they were going to go 12-0, and 0, I suppose that's on you. But um, to expect better against better teams, that's really, really the thing. And people are still looking at that Notre Dame game, especially after Notre Dame struggles with Ball State and Vanderbilt, saying, mm-hmm. how, how is that not a win? And uh, totally led valid frustration. And one that Harbaugh and those guys will not be able to fix until they go play Wisconsin, Michigan State, or Penn State. I mean, that's just the reality of it. These next couple of weeks are going to be exactly like this uh, because they're supposed to beat all these teams. And if you lose to one of them, it's even worse. So that's the tough spot that they're in, but that's why they get paid a fortune, and that's why uh, they're here to do it. So we'll see how they do. Uh, our guest today, as we've uh, taken a look back at the SMU win and uh, ahead to the Nebraska game on Saturday, is beat writer Nick Baumgartner from the Detroit Free Press. Always a pleasure to have you on the show with us, Nick, and we look forward to our next visit. Sounds good, Mike. Take care. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Quick hits today, at Jim's Monday presser, he said Higdon and Evans are working through injuries and their day-to-day. He said he saw some good things from the offensive line, was very impressed with Drew Wilson, thought Shea Patterson was sharp on Saturday, but was concerned with the penalties, especially on defense. Jim said he was also seeking clarification on the targeting call against Cleek Hudson. He didn't like the call and does not understand how that hit could be seen as targeting. There were no other injuries discussed or updated at the Monday Presser, and really not a lot of news either. Thanks again to Nick Baumgartner for joining us today. On Thursday's Visitor's Edition, our guest will be Ben McLaughlin from the Nebraska Radio Crew. Ben is the sideline reporter and pre- and post-game host on the Husker Radio Network. If there are any injury updates, we'll share those, check the weather forecast, and share some interesting game day facts about the Big Ten opener with the Huskers. That will do it for our game day show this week. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Don't forget to join us again on Thursday for our Visitor's Edition. 
when our guest will be Husker Radio sideline reporter Ben McLaughlin. So until we meet again, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!